Strong start. Somebody say strong start. Strong start. That's how we're starting 2024. My name is Vance, if you don't know me, and I have the pleasure of introducing something special, special, special uh, tonight. We wanted to gather as a young adult family, bring all the campuses together because we wanted to do a strong start, and we felt like there would be no greater, stronger start than hearing from our senior pastor tonight. And so I want to say a few things just briefly, but we have both of our senior pastors in the building, Pastors Johnson and Summer Bowie. And if you guys don't know, they started out in young adults. So I'm not going to tell your whole story, but I just want to say, you know, where we're at right now is not where we started. And there's been a foundation that's been built that we're able to experience what we're able to experience because people came before us, went before us, labored before us, preached before us, shepherded, led, served before us to get what we are able to have right now. And I would even say for me personally, uh, my very first time attending Victory, I was coming straight out of, I hadn't been in church in like seven or eight years. I was coming straight out the streets. And I hadn't been in church in a long time. And all the churches that I was used to coming to were just like, not the most exciting place to show up to. And my sister invited me to Victory. She was like, I found this church that I think that you'll actually like. And I came through and Pastor Johnson was actually preaching that day. And he was teaching a sermon on the Lord's Prayer. I still remember. And like, that was the day that I rededicated my life to Jesus. And that was... 11 years ago. And so even me being here right now, it, it started very much right there hearing you preach. And so if you guys would stand to your feet, we got to show some hospitality in the man's own house. Would you welcome our senior pastor, Pastor Johnson Bowie to the platform? Love you. What's up, Eves? Y'all take a seat. Y'all take a seat. Let me give you that. I don't need that. I ain't bougie like that. I'm good. Oh, my goodness. You're just going to have to forgive me. I'm already emotional. Like, for real. I'm, like, crying in worship. And sorry to the worship team. It wasn't because of the worship. Um, <laughs> it was just because of this room. It was because of you guys. And, uh, you know, Vance said it, said it really well right there. It is, uh, it's good to be home. And I know that may sound weird for some of y'all. You're like, I've been in Fusion for five years. You babies. You babies. Um, Summer and I were in, in Fusion, back when it was Fusion, Fusion, 2001 to 2011. I need to ask a question. How many of you weren't alive in 2001? Yes. That's all right. It's all good. I feel old, but it's all right. Um, no, we are, we, we've been here so long that we were here when it was called college and career. And after that, it was called 23S because that means it was 20, 30 somethings. But when you put 40 year old men in the room with 18 year old women, not good. It's not good. So we had to change it. And when we changed it to Fusion, it changed, it changed 18 to 30. And, and then last year it became Young Adults. And why? Why are some of you are like, why did you change the name? Because, because every time you say, hey, will you come to Fusion? You're like, what's Fusion? Then you have to say, oh, it's Young Adults. So then we just cut out the middleman and we just called it Young Adults. Um, 
but I'm just, I'm just honest, guys. Like I, I'm, I'm emotional because of what happened in my life in young adults. Um, and, and, and I get emotional because I remember being literally like in the seat where you are and what God did in me in these years. And, and I, I think about the decisions I, have to ma- I had to make, the same decisions you guys have to make that literally are the forks in the road that determine where you're going in life. And, and I, in this group, man, I had, I had so many crazy God encounters. I'm telling you, it's, I, I had the God encounters in my life that nobody can talk me out of. And they're the ones that, that radically transform my life. And it's the same desire I have for you. I, in, 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 my, in my 20s, I, I, met, I met in this ministry, I met lifelong friends. I, I was baptized here. I, I found my life purpose here. And, and that is, that's actually, I was talking to, to Vance at the end of last year. And I said, hey man, w- would you just give me, give me the grace to come in and just share what I wish somebody had shared with me when I was in my 20s. Um, and so what I want to do, I literally, I just want to talk to you about living on purpose. Uh, living on purpose, living with purpose. Um, because I think, I think if we can get our arms around this, it literally could make or break where you go in life. And so maybe you've heard this before, Mark Twain, the early American storyteller, right? He said, the two most important dates in your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. The day you were born and the day you find out why. And here's the, here's the idea, guys. You look at a hammer and you know what it's for. You look at a car and you know what it's for. Look at a person. What are they for? What were they made for? And guys, we need to know the answer for that. I actually looked at a study uh, recently that said only a third of people actually have a clear reason for waking up every single morning, which means most people in, in, in the world and many people in here, even tonight, you don't know your why. Like, why do I exist? Why am I, you ever in like a moment of desperation, like looked up at God and are like, what are we doing here? Like, why am I breathing? Why was I born? Am I, am I an oops? You know, was I, am, I, am I even supposed to be here? Does it even matter that I'm alive? Like, why, God, why am I alive? And late pastor Miles Monroe, he said, the greatest tragedy in life is not death, but life without reason. It is dangerous to be alive and not know why you were given life. It's dangerous, I'm gonna say it again. It is dangerous to be alive and not know why you were given life. Because if you're alive and you don't know why you were given life, you'll do radically stupid things with your life. You'll do radically stupid things with your life. And, and this is ultimately, I believe, guys, what living on purpose is about. Living on purpose is about, is about knowing why you're alive and then aiming the entirety of your life in that direction. It's not just drifting around. It's not just floating around aimlessly. It's, no, I know why I'm alive and I'm gonna pour all of me right there. I'm gonna pour all of me right there. And so if, if you need this reminder from me, and maybe you're not part of the Victory family, you haven't heard this before. Here, let me tell you some good news tonight. I believe you were made for something great. I believe you were made for something great. I don't believe you're an accident, an oops. 
I believe you're made in the image of God. The Imago Dei is on your life. That means God put his unique gifts, talents, and abilities on the inside of you. And the greatest way that you can worship God is by releasing, emancipating God's greatness that he put on the inside of you, outside of you, on purpose, living with purpose, living in the right direction. And I'm just here to remind you that the ultimate goal of your life isn't to go to college so you can get a good job, so you make money and get married and have kids, to then send them to college so they can get a good job and get married and have kids so that then they can send them to college, like until Jesus comes back. Like our job is just to get married and have kids and make money. You know, and what happens is we end up just kind of drifting along, marrying the person who says yes, going to school wherever we get accepted, going to the church that least offends you, living wherever it's cheapest, right? And we just kind of drift through life. And I, I just, I need to tell you this. Listen, we need you living on purpose. When I say we, I mean, I mean, I mean the world. I mean your lost friends. I mean the church. I, I, if, if God could use me to do anything tonight, it's to awaken you to the reality that not only are you called to, but you can live on purpose, with purpose, not drifting around. We, I, I, I pray by God's grace tonight that he would burn off of you this like low level. I, oh, you know, I just wanna live to be a, a Twitch streamer. I wanna be a YouTube influencer. Okay, unless you find a way to twist that for the gospel, that's way too low, way too low. And I'm praying tonight that all those shallow, empty, godless dreams would be replaced with something just infinitely better, <laughs> infinitely better, and that we would actually begin living on purpose. Andy Stanley, pastor down the road, he said this, I love it. He said, everybody ends up somewhere. Very few end up there on purpose. I promise you this. I promise you. Listen, I'm a senior pastor now. So I, I, at first I was doing young adults and I moved to Hamilton Mill. Now like I, I, I do like birth to grave, like as far as age of people, okay? All right, I can tell you this. If you don't make key decisions in your life, okay, in this age group, you will end up somewhere in life but you're not gonna end up there on purpose. I, 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 this is what I do now. I, I spend time with 40-year-olds and 50-year-olds and 60-year-olds and 70-year-olds and 80-year-olds, listen, who did not make decisions in their teens and 20s. And what they did, they just drifted their entire life and they look back with regret. And they said, if I could go back and just make a handful of key decision changes, who I'm gonna marry, where I'm gonna live, what major I'm gonna have, or if I'm even gonna go to college, all those sorts of things. Listen, if we don't make those in God, in the, in the sight of God, listen, we will drift. And everybody's gonna end up somewhere, but very few end up there on purpose. And I, just to let you know a little, bit, a little bit about me, let me take you on a journey real quick, but I'm doing it for a reason. Um, th this is Johnson, okay, this, this is me. Is uh, I had zero aspirations when I was young. Just so you know, I know last times you see people on a platform, you're like, man, that guy, that guy knew from the beginning. I, I like, I, I don't even know how I'm here. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like, um, I a lot of people like you talk to kids and they're like, yeah, I want to be an astronomer when I grow up. Like, I want, I want to be a missionary. You know, I listen. If they, if I could be like a fireman, Navy SEAL, baseball player, something like like it was just these unrealistic ideas. I had no aspirations. I wasn't going to be a millionaire. I wasn't going to change the nations. I definitely was not going to be a pastor. Um, that was the last thing I ever wanted to do. I was just drifting. I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I got born again at fourteen. My dad was, was a pastor. 
Uh, they had been trying to get me born again. It wasn't working. Uh, I didn't want to do it. And uh, then I went to like a youth conference and kind of got out of the shadow of my parents and where I could finally like listen without strings attached and God got through and I got born again. And so it, when I was 14, I kind of knew like, okay, my life's not my own, but I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to do. Um, I, I, I wanted to play baseball, but I tore up my arm in high school. So that dream died. Uh, I got into acting and I found out very quickly that world was going to eat me alive. If I tried to, anybody in here in the acting field, you know what I'm talking about. Like I, I could not act and be saved. It was not going to work. And so then I'm just kind of drifting and I'm drifting. I, dri- I, get, I get great grades through high school because my parents threatened to murder me. And so I get great grades. And, uh, and so then I applied to three colleges. I applied to, uh, I was living in uh, North Carolina. And so I applied to Chapel Hill, UNC Chapel Hill, uh, applied to Wake Forest and applied to UGA. And I wanted to go in that order, right? In that order. And uh, so I was gonna go to Chapel Hill because that's where all my friends were going. And then I got denied to go to Chapel Hill, which makes no sense because all my friends were idiots and they were getting into Chapel Hill and I was so much smarter than them and I got a rejection letter and I was like, what the heck is that? 100% God in hindsight, it's hard to see it in the moment, but let me tell you, if God closed the door, it's him closing the door. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, because I promise you, if I had gone to UNC Chapel Hill, I would not be here. I would be leaving probably a meaningless life right now. And so God, God led me through closed doors. And so I got denied from Chapel Hill. I got accepted at Wake Forest which if you know anything about colleges, that makes no sense um, to get accepted at Wake Forest, but denied at Chapel Hill, but we didn't have enough money to send me to, uh, to Wake Forest. And so took my third school, which was UGA. My whole family's over in Athens and best decision of my life, not just because we're the Bulldogs now, but we were terrible back then in football, I'm telling you. Um, and uh, best decision because one month in, um, my, my freshman year, I went on a uh, trip with a next door neighbor. He was a preacher's kid of a church. And on that weekend in 97, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit and just completely blindsided. Like didn't ask, didn't know what was happening. My heart came alive, like in a way I'd never felt before. And I was like, oh my God, like before this, I've had kind of like faith, but now I feel like I have sight as well. Like I have something Oh my God, like God's alive. And that same weekend, uh, met my future wife. Let me tell you, that's a, that's a good weekend. That's a good weekend. Now, let me tell you, let me tell you, sometimes your responsibility is to just say yes and show up. Listen, a Halloween weekend, 1997, you go back in a time machine and I say no to that weekend, my whole life is different. Sometimes you just need to say yes and walk into the room. Some of you, you did that tonight and you don't even know what God's about to do in your life. He's about to, you know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> clock you upside the head like he did me. And, and, and something shifted in my life when, when, when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, met summer. Um, we, 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 not too long after that in 98, get that 98, we started attending Victory World Church. Some of you are like, what's that? Well, actually it was Victory World Outreach. It's Victory World Outreach back then. And then it became Victory World Church. And then we dropped the world and, well, we didn't drop the world, but you know, now we're Victory Church. Um, so we started attending that in 1998. Um, uh, we started serving in the two-year-old room, probably around 20 years old, serving, started serving the two-year-olds. Uh, why? Because a senior pastor at that time, uh, Pastor Dennis, he said, hey, we need some help. And so we're like, all right, we'll just, we'll just go help out. It was, it was terrible. I wasn't any good at it. Um, <laughs> But we did it, you know? Uh, I had no clue what I wanted to major in and I, I had exhausted all my core classes. And so the advisor was like, hey dude, like 
we'll take your money, <laughs> you know, but if you wanna graduate in four years, you gotta, you gotta declare a major. So I was like, all right, what's my favorite class? Geography. And so uh, I have a geography degree from the University of Georgia with a cartography specialty, meaning I, I make maps. I'm really good at making maps. And I make crime maps for local Atlanta police departments for uh, a few years on the other side of graduating. Um, Summer and I got married in 2001. And then we started coming to this thing called fusion. Uh, I had, I had um, graduated from UGA, uh, Summer and I had just gotten married and we were like, all right, we need, we need to do something with our marriage that's gonna grow us. So we started coming uh, here. And let me just say, it was here, I, I say this often, is that the, the pastor at that time was Nathan Camp. So I say this often, that my dad is the reason I'm a Christian. Pastor Dennis, the founding pastor of Victory, is the reason I'm a disciple. Nathan Camp, the former pastor of Fusion, is the reason I'm a preacher. Because there was respect to everybody else I'd ever heard preach. I never watched somebody preach. And I said, man, I actually think he believes it. I, like, like, he lived that, that, that old prayer of like, God, set me on fire so that others would come and watch me burn. Like he lived that when he's, he lived that Jeremiah, your word is like a fire in my bones. Like he lived that sort of a life. And that was like a moth to the flame. And I was like, man, that, that passion for Jesus is contagious. I want more of that, man. And like, that's what got me here. And so Summer and I, we, we, start, we start coming here. We get married and, and start coming to Fusion. And the first thing we do is we jump into a young adult married small group. Young adult married small group. That's the first thing we did. And so probably 22 or so years old. And let me just say this. I was living the life. Listen, okay, listen. I don't know how old you guys are. 22, imagine this, 22. I got a full-time job. I'm married. I got a condo. I'm driving a Camry. <laughs> I go to church on Sunday. I go to young adults midweek. I go to small group on Friday. That's it, man. Like, that's the life. I'm like, this is as good as it gets. And, and I remember I would, hear, I would hear sermons, you know, Pastor Dennis would preach and Nathan back then and Fusion would preach. They're like, man, you got purpose. And I'm like, well, bro, I don't got the gifts like everybody else has. That's a bummer that I don't have gifts. But here's what I know I can do. I can work and I can tithe so that, so that the pastors can do the real stuff. That's what I did. Like, that was my posture. I was like, I'm just gonna work. I'm gonna tithe so the pastors can do the real work, you know, because we're just the grunts. Like, we don't know what we're doing out in the seats, you know? And then the darndest thing happened. They asked us to help to lead the small group. And I'm telling you guys, the fork in the road moment. Like, uh, they, they had, you know, we say it around here that the four most important letters in the English, you know, vocabulary, the English alphabet are I, C, and U. And they looked at us and they said, I see in you the ability to lead a small group. I see in you the ability. And they called that potential out of us. They saw a gift inside of us that we didn't even know was there. And, and I'm just telling you, we like looked at each other and we're like, well, there have to be a thousand people more qualified than us but if they need our help, okay, we'll say yes. We'll say yes. And I'm telling you, we, I don't even think we ever really talked about it, but there was almost this like silent agreement between Summer and I that started at that time, at that time. 
We had been wandering, wandering, wandering. Something happened to us at that time where we said this. We said, whenever God asks us to do something, our answer is yes. Our answer is yes. Even if we have no clue how to do it, even if we have no interest in it, our answer is yes. And I'm telling you, when we made that decision, everything changed. We just kind of been wandering around. I don't know, what's my major? I don't know, I guess I'll just tithe like when I graduate. Like I we had no clue. But when we started saying yes, all of a sudden, all this, this broad path, it started becoming very narrow. And just God started to open up this door and that door and that door and that door. I'm telling you, when God can trust you to say yes, he'll give you the opportunity to say yes to He'll do it, he'll do it, he'll do it. And so what happened is the, the, the thing started, started gaining steam. So uh, about six months after that, we started leading the small group that we were in. About a year after that, we became coaches over all the married small groups. About six months after that, they asked me to preach. And I was like, I draw the line there, bro. <laughs> you had my yes until you asked me to preach. But then they're like, no, preach in the retirement home. We're gonna go do an outreach. And I was like, okay, I guess if you need my help, like they're a captive audience, they're not gonna leave, you know? And they're on their little wheelchairs, like where are they gonna go, you know what I'm saying? And, and so I go in there, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. My first sermon ever is I preach on healing in a nursing home. And, and we finished and I was like, they're all asleep, clearly they're all asleep. And, but, but I'm like, that actually wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be, right? Like I'm asking for feedback. How could I do it better? You know? And then like a few weeks later, they asked me to preach that same sermon at young adults. And then one time leads to two times, leads to three times. And then um, I, uh, I, I was like, maybe there's something to this. And I heard of a little church down the street that had an opening. And so I just started volunteering my time at a little Korean Baptist church down the road as the English speaking pastor, which means the youth group. Um, and so I was the English speaking pastor at a little Korean Baptist church right down the road. And so I was like, well, maybe if God might be calling me into this, like I just say yes. And I, I know there's a difference in preaching every week versus like every blue moon. And so like, let's see if I can actually do this. And so I, I show up and I just start preaching every single week. And then at that time, Victory had a ministry training school and Summer and I had found every reason to say no. And then somebody finally talked us into saying yes. And so we go through that. And then one day I'm looking out here while I'm preaching at Fusion and Pastor Dennis is sitting in the back. And I'm like, what's he doing here? That week I get called into an appointment and he says, hey man, uh, I showed up in uh, Fusion. I heard you preach. Do you want to be the young adults pastor? And I'm like, like, that's my interview. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, let me pray about it. Yes. Like, yes, because my answer is yes. Listen, my answer is yes. If God opens up the door, my answer is yes. And this became our kind of like unofficial life, life policy is that God, I'm not gonna kick the door open, but if you open it, I'll walk through it. I'm not gonna kick the door open, God, but if you open it up and invite me through it, I will walk through it every single time. Even if it's scary, even if it doesn't make sense, even if everybody else is saying no, God, if you're opening it up, I say yes. I say yes, and let me tell you guys, when you say yes to God, everything changes. So from 2005 to 2011, we were the young adult pastors here at Victory. Young adult pastors here at Victory. Some of the best memories of our life, the most crazy, fiery, fuego, God encounters I've ever experienced, craziest miracles, most amazing outreaches, most fun I've ever had in my life was done in young adults. 
is done in young adults. And we thought we'd be here forever, but then one night God gave us dreams. We woke up, we're like, well, I guess we're not supposed to do that anymore. And so then we went out and we started Victory Hamilton Mill up the road. And we started that in August of 2010. And we did it for 10 years. And then in 2019, as we're striking up conversations about one day stepping into this role, um, I, I just felt like God said, hey man, you, you need to keep growing. And so at, at what, 39 or whatever it was, I went back and got my master's degree, graduated last year. And then in August of 2020, we got the torch for, to be senior pastors here at Victory. <clears throat> We've been doing it for a little bit over three years, a little bit over three years, a little bit over three years. And believe me, it's, it's only felt like 40. So it's awesome. Um, because they're COVID years. <laughs> Nothing really going on August 2020, except for COVID and race riots and, you know, just easy times, easy times. Church has fallen apart left and right. But what, here's what it's been. Here's what it's been. Listen, listen, listen. It has been one long road of putting one foot in front of the other, living on purpose, with purpose, saying yes whenever God opens up the door. That's what it's meant. And here, here's, let, let me, you, you probably wanna write this down. Here's what I've learned along this journey, okay? That there are five levels of life. Here they are. Here's the first level of life is doing what you hate. Anybody ever been there? Anybody there right now? <laughs> I know, I know. Listen, it gets better. If you, if you keep walking it out, it does get better, okay? So doing what you hate. This is like, man, I don't wanna work this job. I wanna go to this school. I wanna be in this place. Like doing what you hate. It does get better. Here's the second thing is doing what you do. How many would trade doing what you hate for doing what you do? Like this is like, hey man, what you doing? Huh? You know, just doing what I do. Doing what I do. Just kind of getting by, making ends meet, just kind of coasting through life. And, and most of the people, when they're actually living in this place, you long for level three, which is doing what you love. Doing what you love. Listen, this is where everybody and the mama thinks that this is the highest level of life. Now you're already looking, you're like, wait a second, there's five levels. Well, I thought three was the highest because this is where everybody lives for. Guess what? Because this is the level of being happy. I'm happy. Oh, I have money. I have the jet skis. I have the place in Florida, I'm happy. Here, the problem with being happy, your whole life is based on happiness, is happiness is based on what happens. Joy comes from Jesus, happiness is based on circumstance. And so when your life falls apart, you're no longer happy. But you can always have joy in Jesus, no matter what's happening, no matter the storm that you're in. So here, there, there's actually a fourth level above this. Here's the level above this, is doing what God loves not just doing what you love, it's doing what God loves. Now, here's what I say. There's a lot of things that God loves that I don't love. <laughs> Could we be honest about that in church? God loves a lot of things I'm just not the biggest fan of. And that's why the highest level of life, let me bless you with this, is doing what God loves to do that you love too. And I know some of you are like, that's the most unrealistic thing I've ever heard in my entire life. I am living proof that it's possible. I'm living proof. Some of you out here are living proof that it's possible to do what God loves to do that you love to. That is the sweet spot of life. That's in a sense where they say you'll never work another day of your life when you discover what God loves to do that you love to. And, and let me just say this, guys. Doing what God loves to do that you love to is infinitely better than doing what you love. Listen, it may not make as much money. It may not get you as much fame. It may not get the vacation home. But listen, doing what you love to do that God loves too, 
it's bigger, it's better, it's bolder, it's more fulfilling because being in the sweet spot of the will of God and the purpose of God is bigger and it's better and it's bolder and it's more fulfilling than anything this world could ever offer you. Being square in the middle of the plan and the purpose of God. And let me just clarify this real quick. Your highest purpose in life isn't to come on staff at a church. Now I know we're in church, so some of you, maybe that is the thing, but let me just, your, your purpose in life, it's not like in the Bible, they're like, you know, and Jesus died so you could come on staff at a church. No, that's not it. So what does this actually look like? In fact, I love this, Vance knows this. Like, um, I love right now, there's actually people quitting staff at Victory to go and answer the call of God for the purpose of God outside of staff as a church. Because they thought it was actually being on staff at a church. Like, no, actually I discovered it wasn't. It's out there. So here's the idea. How do we step into living on purpose? Let me read you a scripture, then we'll crack it open, then we'll do something cool, okay? Psalm 8, I'm gonna read you the whole chapter, which is like four verses, so don't freak out. Here's what he says. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens through the praise of children and infants. You have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. I love how it says that. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You have made them a little lower than the angels. You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You have made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all the flocks and the herds, the animals of the wild, the birds of the sky and the fish of the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Get this, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. It's the bookends of Psalm 8. It's the beginning and the end. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. So here's it, here it is, guys. One, two, three. How to begin walking in my purpose. Here's the first thing. Understand God is who this whole story is about. Understand God is who this whole story is about. Psalm 8, right there. It does not say, Johnson, oh, Johnson, how majestic is your name in all the earth. It does not say, Paula, oh, Paula, how majestic is your name. In all... No, it's Yahweh, Yahweh, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Yod, hey, vav, hey, Yahweh. That means the great I am. God's name is I am, meaning I just am that I am. I have no beginning. I have no end. I'm the author. I'm the creator. I'm the sustainer. I'm the perfecter. I am God. Yahweh, Yahweh, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And here's the point, guys. Here's the point. We can only know who we are when we know who God is. And when we are able to actually lift up our eyes and say, God, this whole story is about you. Guess what that means? The whole story is not about you. If the whole story's about him, the whole story's not about you. And I know, you know, here, here's the reality of this. Everywhere you go, you're the main character. I get it. You're in every shot of the movie. There you are. <laughs> you know, you're in the mirror. <laughs> you're in the relationship. You're in the coffee shop. Like, there you are. No, but listen, you have a beginning and the end. There's one who has no beginning and has no end. And Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And what we have to understand is this whole story is about God. This is not, listen, that means our life isn't about our little kingdom. Your whole life isn't about your retirement account or your vacation home or about making that sale or having this many followers on Instagram or whatever it is. Like that's making the whole story about you, man. And I hate to break it to you. You ain't that important. You ain't that big. 
Your life has a dash and a number on the front and a number on the end, and then you gone. We are dust, flowers of the field. Here one day, poof, gone the next. But God remains. This whole story is about God. This whole story is about God. And, and if you want to live a life not of success, if you want to live a life of significance, take the weight of your life and point it at the glory of God. Point it at the glory of God and understand that this whole story is about him. So how do we begin living a life on purpose? Understand that this whole story is about God. Second thing is this, understand that God created me on purpose. Come on, say it together. God created me on purpose. One more time. God created me. Say it like you mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. See, was that that hard? God created me on purpose. Let me say it for you. God created you on purpose. God cre- Let, let's read just that, that verse four and five there again in, in Psalm eight. What is mankind that you're mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You have made them. God, you have made them. Let me ask you a, a question, not a trick question. Who made you? My dad and my mom. No, God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. God used them. Yeah, for sure. God. God made you. Now, I know, I know some of you are like, well, that's not scientific. Okay, cool. All right. God made you. God made you. That has incredible significance. Psalm 139. God, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Guys, let this be your annual reminder that you're not a mistake. You're not an accident. I know sometimes whatever's going on, you may feel out of place. You may, you may have been told your whole life you were an oops. Oh no, me and your dad, we weren't planning. I don't care. I don't, I don't care. I don't care. You might be an accident in your parents' mind. You were fully planned for by the Lord. You were fully planned for by the Lord. God smiled when he thought about making you. And you might not have a dad here. You have a dad though. You have a father who purposed you and planned you. So listen, right now, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke the spirit of suicide off you. It says your life doesn't matter. I rebuke the spirit of depression on you. It says that you're not here to make a difference. You're an oops, you're an accident. You shouldn't even be alive. Those are all lies straight from the pit of hell. You were planned for and you were purposed by your good father in heaven. And God's words over you are infinitely better. And I pray that they break the back of man's words over you. You were created on purpose, on purpose. How to begin walking in my purpose? Understand this whole story is about God. Understand God created me on purpose and then understand God created me for a purpose. You weren't just created on purpose by God. You were actually created for a purpose by God. Um, when, when my sons were younger, <laughs> I was thinking about this. It's probably like 10 years ago or something. Uh, I walked into Jeremiah's room and they had this like giant Lego battle like thing playing out, like all like, like dozens and dozens of characters. And this one's like melted, you know, like this is the battle scene. And I walk in and they're having the time of their life. And, I, and it's, it, this, this moment just really st- so stuck out to me. It left an impression on me. And I'm like, guys, what's going on? And Isaac walks over and he's like two. And he's like, you know, he's not making any sense. And then Jeremiah comes over and interprets. And 
He's like, well, there's this, this battle because this guy took this and here's what, this is the general over here and they're fighting that guy and they hid the thing over here and so they're going. And, and I'm like, like they're, they're, he's laying the whole thing out. And what I found out is like, even like, like kids in a room, it's like everything and everyone had a purpose in the scene. Okay, because, because listen, they had the idea before they even started making it. And so they knew the end from the beginning. And so they started creating in the direction of their desired end. And listen, if two kids can do it in an upstairs bedroom, how much more can an omniscient, all-knowing, loving, purposeful creator God who's personal, who sees the end from the beginning, not create you for such a time as this with purpose, on purpose, for purpose to live towards that desired end. You are here on purpose for his purpose. Listen, this whole story is about God. You're created on purpose. You're created for a purpose. Here's what this means. Here's what this means. Is that I was created on purpose for his purpose. Can you say that? I was created on purpose for his purpose. One more time. I was created on purpose for his purpose. I was created on purpose for his purpose. Here's how the Bible says it, Ephesians 1.11. It is in Christ, everybody say in Christ, that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eyes on us, had designs on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose. He's working out in everything and everyone. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Here's what this means. Here's what Paul is saying right here is when you were just out living your life, God was watching you. And he said, I'm using this this life thing, I'm using that life thing, I'm gonna take this decision, I'm gonna open up that door, and I'm gonna lead them into the purpose that I have for them. You were created on purpose for his purpose. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. And so how do I boil all this down into one statement? I, I, wanna, I wanna give you something that you can run with on the other side of tonight. And maybe you've heard me say this before if you're part of the Victory family, because this is so integral to who I am, okay? Um, a bunch of church leaders got together a long time back and they tackled this question. What is, what is the purpose of humanity? What, why are we alive? What, are, what do we live for? And here's what they said. Mankind's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Mankind's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. I'm glad one person really resonated with that. <laughs> Come on, let's say it together. Mankind's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. The chief end of mankind is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. What is the purpose that we were made for? Why did I wake up this morning? What's the purpose of the person sitting next to me even right now? Why am I breathing? To glorify God and to enjoy him forever. To glorify God and to, what's my purpose? My purpose is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Guys, don't overcomplicate it. Don't overcomplicate it. My, you are alive to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. To glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And some of you are like, I want it more specific than that. Okay, now you're talking about calling. 
Okay, that's 40 more sermons that we could preach. But listen, calling is, is this, calling is this, how you use your gifts, talents, and abilities to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's as simple as it is. God, what's my calling in life? Use the specific, you need to mago day, the greatness that God put on the inside of you. Use that to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Wherever you are, wherever you're going, whoever you're around, glorify God and enjoy him forever. That means in certain times, in certain seasons, God may call you to glorify God and enjoy him in government, as a stay-at-home mom, in education, as a full-time artist, as a part-time author, as a musician, as a dancer, right? Making maps. <laughs> or even on a church staff or a thousand places in between. Your calling is to use how God made you, wherever you are, to glorify him and enjoy him forever. Listen, listen, listen. Your, your, your purpose remains consistent no matter what you're doing. Let, let me do you a favor. Your purpose is not your position. Your purpose is not your position. Listen, my purpose is not to be a pastor. Now that's the expression of my calling. My purpose is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. This is just how I do it. This is how I do it. This is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Listen, you can be unemployed and glorify God and enjoy him forever. Listen, you, you, can, be, you, can, you can be at the first level of living and hate your job and glorify him right there and enjoy him right there. You can be on level five and glorify and enjoy him. Yeah, absolutely. And everywhere in between. Doesn't matter if you're employed, unemployed, stay at home, student, everywhere in between. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, take the gifts, talents, and abilities, and joy that God has given you, and glorify him and enjoy him forever. Right there in that place. And this, this is why, this is why, listen, this is why some of you are like, well, well, how do I do that? Okay, listen, listen. This is why I say the most spiritual advice I could ever give you tonight is this. And again, there's 40 more sermons where you can dig down on this. I'm gonna give you some, y'all ready for this? Lean in, I'm gonna do what Pastor Mo says. Lean in. Okay, lean in, okay. Okay, I'm gonna give you super spiritual advice. How do I discover my purpose? How do I step into the calling? Okay, here it is, here it is. Just do something. <laughs> You're like, well, that was a letdown. No, 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 for real. That's probably the most spiritual advice I could give you. Just do something. Just do something. Here's why I make a big deal of that, okay? Because I see 70-year-olds who are still living by paralysis, by analysis. Like, I don't know. I want it to be all perfect before I even take one step. It'll never be perfect. Take care of me. I ain't that old, but I'm 44. I've lived a few years. It ain't ever going to be perfect. You will always have a reason not to go to ministry school. You'll always have a reason not to get married. You'll always have a reason not to be a leader. You'll always have a reason. Just do something. Take one step. Take one step, right? Like this, this is one of my life principles. You can't steer a parked car. You gotta be moving, man. Just start moving and listen, God will steer you by closing some doors. God will steer you through your passions. Listen, what you love and what you hate. God will steer you through just as much, steer you just as much by things you love as by things you hate. I don't know if you notice, I'm not a, a kid's pastor. I tried it. I tried it. I served in the two-year-old room. God bless you if you're in children's ministry here. You're awesome. You're amazing. You're better than I am, okay? I got in there. You notice I'm not doing that because I learned I don't like that. And I don't think God's gonna call you to do something for the rest of your life that you just absolutely hate and dread. God closed that door. And so, but guess what? I just kept moving forward. As he closed one door, he opened up another door over here. And, and here's the deal. If you'll just keep saying yes, 
I promise you, God will just keep opening up doors for you to move forward. If you're like, I don't know what to do, go back to the last thing God told you to do and then say yes to it. You're like, well, God hadn't talked to me in five years. Okay, go back five years ago. What's the last thing God called you to do? Say yes to that and walk through it. And I guarantee you the doors are gonna start opening up. That's how God does it. You have to give God your yes. Start moving. God will highlight things. God will make that you're gonna dread something. You're gonna walk through it and be like, oh, that was actually wasn't that bad. Like me with preaching. You're gonna find out you have gifts and talents and abilities you didn't even know were there, but they're hidden right now. They're dormant right now because you're not moving. Okay, if you think, oh, maybe, maybe I'm called to this one day, man, start getting involved in something in that direction. Uh, my, my nephew, or my nephew, my sister's son, his whole life said, I'm gonna be an astrophysicist or something like that. Yeah, astrophysicist. And we're like, wow, this kid's brilliant. <laughs> he got to college, freshman year took calculus, was like, nope. <laughs> your whole life, your whole life. And then your first class, you're like, oh, I guess that, I wasted my whole life up to 18 years. Because you never even took one step. Take a step. Don't, listen, don't, don't. I, I find people all the time. They're like, oh, I'm called to be a pastor. Okay, so then you go to Bible college. You go through four or five years. And then you get on a church staff. You're like, no, this sucks. I hate it. You just burn five years of your life and five years of, of, of tuition. Listen, don't get a geography degree. And then try and make one map. And you're like, well, this is terrible. How many of you, like, you're even using what you got your degree in. This is what I'm talking about. Find ways to start putting baby steps today to find out if God's even breathing on that. And God will steer you through passions and closed doors and open doors. And listen, I, I, I know this. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me say something that may sound braggadocious for a second, but I'm gonna make it make sense, okay? What I see is everybody's like holding out for the management position, right? Like, oh, you know, I'm just, that's beneath me. I was too small. God's calling in my life is bigger than that. And so I'm going to go do that. I'm holding out for that. And, and so I, 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 listen, I get it. Is it. This is the conversation I was having with Pastor Vance. It's like, it's easy to look at me. Okay, 44-year-old pastor of a megachurch, okay? I was 41 when I took the, the, the torch when Summer and I did, okay? What, what a lot of people don't see is I was 39 when, I, when God said, hey, you need to stretch yourself and grow yourself. You need to go get your master's degree. And they don't say I was 30 when I became a campus pastor here at Victory. Or I was 25 when we became the young adult pastors here. Or that I was 24 when I was pastoring at a little Korean Baptist church. Or 24 when we went through ministry school. Or 23 when we were small group coaches. Or 22 when we were small group leaders are 20, like, like right there at 20 to early 22 when, when we were small group apprentices or when we were 20 and serving in the two-year-old room or I was 19 and witnessing to my friends at UGA when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And it's easy to look and be like, oh man, I'm holding out for the platform. Listen, I, you don't get the platform unless you say yes when nobody's looking. Can you be faithful to witness to your friends when nobody's looking? Can you be faithful to walk through the door and say yes to, to a small group leader in training when you don't even think you can do it? But can you give God your yes? Can, can you go back to get a master's degree uh, 18 years after you got your undergrad 
Because God called you to do it. Can you give him your yes? Can you do what's uncomfortable even when God calls you to do it? Can you give him your yes? And if so, God will continue opening up the door, moving you deeper and deeper and deeper into his purpose for your life. And here's what I'm telling you tonight, guys. Every step of my life and every step of your life is saying yes to what God puts in front of you. And you do it to the best of your ability. And you do it as unto the Lord. And you do it to glorify God and enjoy him forever right where you are. And you're not lusting and longing, can I just escape this place right now? No, 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 I'm gonna bloom where I'm planted. And then when God opens up the door, I'll say yes and I'll walk through it, but I'm not gonna kick it down. I'm gonna let God promote me. I'm not gonna promote myself. And I'm just gonna do everything I can to glorify God and enjoy him forever right where I am. But when he opens up that door, God, my commitment to you is to say yes and I'm gonna walk through it. And I guarantee you guys, as somebody who is, who is once 19, purposeless kid going to UGA, somebody who's now 44, standing in the place where I am, if you will give God your yes, if you live for the glory of God, enjoy him forever, you have no clue what God will do with your life. I have no clue. So I have good news. I have good news. You don't have to wonder what your purpose is. Your purpose is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's it. That's it. Take your gifts, your talents, your abilities. At work, with friends, at school. Just glorify God. Enjoy him forever. And listen, even as I've been talking, some of you know what you need to do. You know what you need to do. You need to go back and do the school thing. You need to go back with a friend. You need to go back with a job, whatever. You need to go back and study, whatever that, I don't know, I don't know. But if you don't know where to start, let me give you three places to start. Here's three places to start. Here's the first one. You can serve here in the church, okay? Pause. I know that sounds super self-serving, okay? Just pause, but here's why I'm saying this, okay? This was my journey, okay? I didn't even know, um, I didn't even know what gifts I had. And this, this, here's a really cool thing about the local church is you can experiment. I give you permission to experiment and find out what you're good at. What are your gifts? Here, here's what I'm gonna say. Some of you, you're gonna sign up to serving kids because you're like, oh, I'm gonna be a mom, you know? And then you're like, not yet, <laughs> you know, <laughs> not yet. <laughs> um, for real, like for real. Um, Others of you are like, no, I wanna be a small group leader because I'm gifted to teach. And you get in there and everybody lets you know you're not, you're not, you're not gifted to teach, <laughs> right? Or you might get in there and find out, whoa, I'm actually better than I thought I was. Wow, maybe, what should I do with this? You know, and then you start having a conversation with her. Like, how can I continue being more faithful with this and doing more of this, right? Like, find out, find out something. Like, listen, if, if, you, if you feel like, hey, I'm called to be a counselor one day, and so I'm gonna go to school and be a counselor, why aren't you a small group leader today? Why would you go through four years of school and get all this stuff, and you don't even know if you're good at it or called to it or like it? You can play with that. So, listen, I give you permission to join the greeters team here, right? And do it for a month. And if you hate it, go do something else. We release you. Like you don't, we're not trapped. 
You're not trapped, you know? And, and we put you on the schedule. You gotta do it till Jesus comes back. No, that's not what it is. <laughs> All right. So serve, okay, serve. Serve's a great place to discover your gifts, okay, and discover what you're, you're gifted at, what you're passionate about. Um, second thing is this, is leading, okay? So here's what I say, guys. Some of you have been saved way too long to not be leading other people. And now I know you're like, well, I'm only 23, I'm only 24, exactly. And this, this, this is my heartbeat. Listen, this is my, because this is my story. You, we need you to be a 22-year-old small group leader. I need you to do that. Well, I'm not qualified. Guess what? Neither was I. Neither was Summer. We were 22-year-old small group leaders, okay? You don't have to wait until you're 30 or 40 and have kids and have your life together to finally lead something. No, no, no. That's the cool thing about young adults. You just, listen, and just in your own heart, I'm not asking for you to clap for victory. In your own heart, you need to thank God that you have something that you can call your own. And it actually gives you an opportunity to lead without a bunch of old people like doing it for you. You know what I'm saying? No, this is yours. Like, listen, young adults, it's yours. It's not mine. It is yours. It is yours. Lead it. Serve here. Disciple people. Get your friends saved. Change your colleges. All of it. Listen, you gotta own it. Okay, and some of you are like, well, I've only been saved for five years. Yeah, guess what? The person next to you has only been saved six months. You can lead, guys, you can lead. And some of you have been saved way too long to not be leading. And tonight is a night to step up into leadership. Here's the third thing, okay? So serving, leading, the other thing is house churches, okay? So I, 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 I stress this, um, and I know some of you are like, hey, I'm, not, I'm nowhere near ready for that sort of a thing. Um, here's why I say that house churches slash watch parties, okay? This is, the, we created this, Victory created this with you in mind, okay? We created literally house churches and, and, and watch parties with you in mind because, because of the idea of like, hey, I'm a college campus, I'm in an apartment complex, I'm, I'm, I'm living with four people like in a one bedroom apartment or something like that, you know? Like we're cramped together. Like I'm in high proximity with other people. And so what would it look like if instead of driving by all your lost friends and leaving them to come here, what if you also took a torch of the gospel back to your neighborhood? back to your apartment complex? What, what if like on a Sunday morning or a Tuesday night, you were actually watching the victory service like in your, in your dorm room, in your apartment, and you just invited people to come over and watch it with you? Guys, I'm saying that's as simple as that. If so, we actually have, you saw the, some QR codes, but we have next steps like Aaron Bourne, who's the pastor he's in, of house searches, he's in the back over there. You're gonna have the opportunity to talk to him after service if you're interested in that. Um, but here's what I wanna do. Here's what I wanna do, okay? We're, we're gonna have an opportunity to kind of seek the Lord on this for a minute. So, so let's do this. Let's stand up to our feet. Let's stand up to our feet. I wanna do, do two things and then, then we're gonna allow God, uh, God a few minutes um, as we worship. But here, let's, let's pray for a minute, okay? Lord, our Lord. How majestic is your name in all the earth. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. God, right now we acknowledge that this whole story is about you. It's about your glory. It's about your fame. It is not about us. And so right now, God, we, 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 we lift our eyes vertical. We lift our heart vertical. You know, Ephesians 1, which we read a second ago, it says that it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. 
It's in Christ, it's in Jesus, that we find out who we are and what we're living for. And listen, here's the reality of that statement. Here's what it means. You will never live a life of purpose on purpose outside of Christ. Because it's in Christ that we find out who we are, why we're alive, why we're breathing, what we're living for. And so if you've been wandering and you don't know Jesus, that's a natural thing to do is to wander. But it's in Christ that everything that used to be blurry, it starts becoming clear. The crooked roads start straightening out. The uphill paths start getting level. The turmoil of the soul experiences shalom and peace. It's found in Christ alone. And so here's the deal, guys. At the beginning of a year, there's no better time than to say yes to Jesus. Listen, when I was a teenager, when I was younger than you guys, that's when I finally kind of got out of my comfort zone and got into a big room with a bunch of other people and God just spoke directly to me. And here's what I know is just how God works. I've been talking, but bigger than me talking, God's been talking to some of you specifically about the state of your relationship with God. And here's what happens, guys. We step into eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ, not by our works, it's by his grace. We couldn't earn it, we couldn't deserve it. Jesus already worked for it. He already earned it, he already deserved it. And so we receive it by faith. And so if tonight God's calling you either to him for the first time or he's calling you back into relationship with Jesus, I just want you to do me a favor. Would you raise your hand? So we're starting out this new year. Say, yeah, I see your hand, I see your hand, it's good. Yeah, that's awesome. It's awesome, I see your hands, that's a lot of you. You can put your hands down. Here's what we're gonna do, we're gonna pray. And I believe in this moment, as you pray, not just with, with your, your, your words, you're actually praying with your heart. God's gonna do something absolutely supernatural on the inside of you. Dead places are gonna start coming back to life. <laughs> That's what he does best is bring dead things to life. And so let's pray like this and, and family around them, let's, let's pray together. Say, Jesus, right now, I mean business, the start of a new year, I confess you as Lord. I confess you as King and Savior of the world. You went to the cross, died for my sin, rose again. You are the Son of God. And so right now, I respond and I put my faith in you. I repent of my sin, my wickedness, my evil, my death. I leave it behind. And I turn to you, Jesus. I give you my life for the rest of my life. May all of me glorify you and enjoy you forever. I'm yours in Jesus' name.